Before we get into the show today, we have a little housekeeping announcement. This summer is going to be extremely busy for us, mainly because I am launching a brand new initiative called going to Europe for three weeks to get married. So that's not an initiative. That's just some vacation. Yeah, it, it's a it's half vacation, half work. I'm going to the Vatican. I have a papal audience. So it's all going to come back to this show. And hopefully that means I can write it off as well. But what this means for you, listeners, is that the schedule of new episodes and releases is going to change a little bit to accommodate the time that I'm away and to keep us ahead and researched for future episodes so we don't have to take some sort of hiatus in the future. So that means this week we're adopting a bi-weekly fortnightly release. So that's not twice a week, that's once every two weeks until the wedding and the travels have concluded. So next week, July 16th, there will be no episode or on July 30th or August 13th. There will be episodes on July 23rd and August 6th and August 20th should resume us back to a weekly release schedule barring anything that happens. So, so listeners, if you're sad, just remember that in this time of no episodes, I will be in Rome and the Vatican, and I have a papal audience, so there will be lots of bonus content coming your way. We promise. Personalized Pope Watches. Yes, personalized Pope Watch. Who knows, maybe I'll even record while I'm there. It will sound terrible, but you might enjoy it. Welcome to Pontifax. I'm Fry. And I'm Brie, ranking all the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 9, Sixtus the First. Not Sixtus the Sixth. No, Sixtus. Well, let's let's actually talk about that name for a second. Sixtus. Because many people find that name for the sixth pope after Peter to be a little too convenient for credulity's sake. It does seem a little convenient. It does, doesn't it? However, there is a possibility that this is actually a pretty significant coincidence, because more than likely, his name wasn't Sixtus, S-I-X-T-U-S, but Zixtus, X-Y-S-T-U-S, or at least this is likely his nickname, because it means polished or shaved, so... So he's like baldy. Yeah, he's like baldy. Or maybe he had a shaved face one way or the other, beardless or baldly. It could have actually been significant because we are talking about a time during the reign of Hadrian where beards and hair are super vogue in Rome. So he probably stood out if he was clean shaven or bald. If he doesn't look like one punch man, I'm going to be real mad. Oh, get ready to be real mad. But it's a thing, like, maybe this is actually a coincidence, because it could actually be a nickname, it could be his name, because it's not Sixtus in the sixth sense, and considering that Sixtus with the X would be the spelling for the next two popes who also would take this name, it's fairly likely that the Sixtus spelling, S-I-X-T-U-S, was something that came much later on when the records were being, like, recopied and anglicized, and it's possible that a monk somewhere down the line changed the spelling after noticing the numerical coincidence. They do that. 
Yeah, I mean, I would be more inclined to believe the Sixtus as sixth pope if it was Sextus or if he was the sixth child or something, but... I mean, we're, we're not getting any of those. We have no way of knowing if he was the sixth child or the first or if he had siblings at all. We don't know any of this. We can jump right into it, actually, because all we know is that he was born in 42 AD in Rome and his father's name was Pastor. Oh, his father's name isn't Fiverr? Oh, that would be so unfortunate. But his father's name was Pastor? Pastor, yep. And we know that his family was Christian, and so he was raised with the religion, and we can assume he entered the church relatively early and rose through the ranks, at least what ranks there were to rise through. So that's the early biography. This is going to be a short episode of shortness, so... That's it? That's all we got? That's everything? Yep, that's, that's literally all we have about his early life, and... This is what we know about his papacy. Like the other popes that we have covered so far, Sixtus is credited with one major contribution to the church administration. Although, I'm going to break it down into three, since he passed three ordinances, and they all kind of get grouped together, but we have some time to explore these ideas. Here we go. The first ordinance passed by Sixtus has to do with a bit of administrative control because it states that only sacred ministers should touch sacred vessels, like the chalice and the paten, which for non-Catholics is the, the dish that holds the bread during the Eucharist. So lay people are strictly forbidden from touching these things. This is Sixtus's first contribution to the church. No touchy. Second, he ordains that any bishops that are summoned to Rome should not be received again by their diocese until they are able to present apostolic letters, a.k.a. letters of approval from the Pope. Okay, they have to get a... Oh, I can't find words today. They have to basically get a seal of approval. Yes, a recommendation. This is because being summoned to Rome was the first step in the Pope deposing a bishop. Ooh, so it's not the only thing that would happen if you were summoned to Rome. Like, you could be summoned to Rome to be praised or to be consulted or to be chastised or to be deposed. So it was kind of a gamble. You get a letter in the mail and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll go to Rome. Yep, this could go one of two ways. This could be a fantastic promotion or you could be out on your ass. You don't know. Nobody else knows. And remember that no one else could depose bishops as we have stated very clearly in Pope Clement's letter to the Corinthians, so only the Pope has this right. And if a Pope decided to depose a bishop, then that diocese is supposed to follow that deposition and not welcome the bishop back. This ordinance by saying you're not supposed to welcome this bishop back to you unless he comes with a letter of my seal of approval is a clear-cut way to make sure the message is delivered. Because otherwise, a bishop could come back and maybe lie about what he was there for. No, it's all fine. He just kind of wanted to give me a pat on the back. I didn't get fired. No way. We have to remember now that some of these dioceses are so far away, the church is expanding out in the world, nobody can just ride out to verify and make sure bishop hasn't gone back to doing his job if he's not supposed to. It's true. But also, like, if they lost their letter in route, 
Well, then you better go back to Rome and get another one because you are hooped. It's true. Oh, no, I know I put it somewhere. Doing that panic pat down of your bishoply vestments, which doesn't exist yet. The third ordination is that during Mass, a priest of the church should be reciting the Sanctus with the congregation. We'll get into it here in a sec, but we should also say that he is credited for adding the triple Sanctus, holy, holy, holy. What the Sanctus is, is where the congregation chants with the priest, Sanctus, 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 during the sacrifice of the Mass. So it is a sung hymn that is part of the ordinary, which ends the preface of the Eucharist, and basically describes the worship of the congregants praising God, reaching up to, and joining the angels. It is also referred to as the Ter Sanctus, or Thrice Holy, because of this threefold repetition. And I have the English translation for you, so it goes, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Osana in the highest, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Glory to thee, O Lord, in the highest. So that's the thing. That's a lot more words than they say now. Yeah. He put that in, and now the priest has to say it with the people. So some sources suggest this was already happening in the Eastern churches, but in the West, it was only happening randomly. And so this decree makes it a universal church practice, which comes back to this whole, you know, fifth century sources giving each early pope one type of decree that unifies and consolidates church practice. Because why not? The only other thing that we can really infer from this being the only thing that we know about Sixtus is that if he did actually pass these ordinances, if it is true, then this particular moment in time must be pretty peaceful for the churches of Italy. They just have to worry about people touching their stuff. Yeah, they're they're worried about no touchy. They're worried about, you know, the priest is going to say this word with you instead of listening to you or you listening to him. You, you're now going to say it together. Uh, you know, it's if there had been clashes, we would be seeing more Clement style letters of intervention on behalf of the authority of Rome. And if there had been more violence, we might have seen more discussions of martyrdom or, you know more practical ordinances for the church, but we don't see any of that. We just have these three, and that is it. So then he dies. <laughs> and then he's dead. That's it. And we don't even have any more on that, because he's said to have been martyred like all of the other early popes have been, but there is literally no information about it other than that. The Liber Pontificalis, as usual, just says he was crowned with martyrdom. But Irenaeus says nothing about it happening, and more than likely, at this point, it's just convenient to say that he was a martyr, because it's happening so often, it's a pretty easy assumption to make. We're just assuming everyone's being martyred. Yep. We don't know how, or why, or who, or if it was a local thing, or if it was according to a governor, or an emperor, we, we really just don't know. His martyrdom is kind of, sort of considered accepted but it's unproven so he doesn't get to be commemorated in the canon of the mass yeah he doesn't get in that long thing well there is a pope sixtus in there though 
But that's going to be Pope Sixtus II, who we'll get to eventually. Now, like his successors, it is said that he's buried on Vatican Hill beside St. Peter's tomb, likely in the tomb that Anacletus had built. But for some reason, his relics were then removed from Rome and the Vatican to be brought to Alatri, which is slightly south of Rome. And then there's a conflicting report that instead of Alatri, his bones were taken to Alife, where there is a crypt that still claims to have his remains. Nobody knows where these bones are ever. No, so more than likely, one way or another, Sixtus's remains were brought somewhere to the mid-to-south region of Italy, and he's hanging out there. But that's not all, because there is also some suggestion that in the 1670s, Pope Clement X moved Sixtus's relics again, giving them to the Cardinal Jean-Francois Paul de Gondi, known as Cardinal de Retz, who then interred them in Lorraine, in the Abbey of Saint-Michel. We can't even say that he's in Italy. He might not even be in Italy anymore. Nope, we'll probably find his bones somewhere, like a trash can. Yeah, well, nothing is impossible these days. I actually would love it if somebody found something about Pope Sixtus, because he needs a little interesting tidbit. He needs something. He's got nothing, so... He needs some pizzazz. He needs some papal pizzazz, so... Unfortunately, I think we know how this is going to go. He's not going to write very well. Nope. So, let's do it. All right. Papatum infallium. So, what can we rate him on? We can rate him on the no touchy. Yep, no touchy and a bunch of end of mass stuff. And we can also rate him on the apostolic letters thing because, I mean, that one I think is fairly clever. That seems important. They don't have email or phones to verify. We need to verify that our bishops are not liars and that they're doing a good job. So I think I'm going to give him a couple points for that one. I don't really care about the Sanctus. I don't care about the no touchy, but I'm going to give him like a two just on the apostolic letters because that really, really actually thinking about that for a second, it really does reinforce that authority and primacy of Rome, because all of these bishops are being summoned to him. He gets to decide what happens to them. He's the only person who can decide what happens to them. And that must be verified then by the diocese. So everyone is under the authority of the Pope. So yeah, I'm definitely going to give him a two for that. I'll match you. That seems about right. Like, Definitely, they have to bring letters back with them to be accepted back into their parishes, which is kind of important. Well, you need to be accepted back if you're going to do your job, so. Fructus prohibitum? Yeah, I don't know. Another zero. I feel like at this point we need to make up some scandal until the real ones come in. But I promise you, I promise you, listeners, they are coming. I just did the research for our first, like, super scandalicious pope, so it's not that far off. Oh, you're not that far ahead of us. No, oh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I read some very interesting articles about this dude, and oh, you're going to love it. It's great. Seculari impactum. Effect on the everyday people. Um, they're not allowed to touch. <laughs> they can't touch things. They're not allowed to touch things, but yeah, I mean, that still just refers to... The Christians in the church, he's not 
really doing anything to affect non-Christians. Yeah, we didn't get said that he converted a bunch of people or that he busted into some sort of, like, family and converted all of them. No. Yeah, he's not doing any of that. He's just sitting on his butt telling people not to touch stuff. And he's not, I mean, can we give him points for being the Bishop of Rome during a period which is obviously peaceful enough to do administration? But did he cause the peace? Not really. It doesn't seem like he had anything to do with the peace, so... I'm just, I'm trying to throw this guy a bone here, and it's, I think it's got to be a zero. Yeah, it's definitely, he doesn't get anything. He got to sit on a cushy papacy there. He sure did. So hopefully he'll be able to score some points based on what he looks like. Oh, Sixtus, I'm trying here. Does it, uh, is he going to be like the Pope in the last, the last Pope? Like, rated so poorly that he gets the least amount of points. Last picked at dodgeball up in heaven. I, he's, you know, the thing about these popes so far, especially the default image that we are rating and reviewing them on, they are pretty good at the expressions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you the picture we're going to rate on first. Okay. This is the expression that is attributed to Sixtus, so... describe him for our listeners (laughs) okay you know when someone you know okay like i think it was last year or the year before someone carved a pumpkin and then they made a really tiny jack-o'-lantern face okay that's what he looks like have you oh this is a stupid question but have you seen that gif of the guy who just looks really startled and he blinks and kind of like Shakes his head slightly like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, it looks like he's right in the middle of that process. Or he ate a lemon. Well, I guess it depends on how you want to look at how his beard is folding in there in the lips. Because he could also be like jutting his chin forward in a really weird smile. Yeah. (laughs) He got, we got the bunny poof back though. The, The bunny poof is back and his eyes are like just black dots they are so small they're like really sunken in there too eh? it's just like well okay we're gonna rate him based on this and then we'll look at some others okay um i have to give him a one a one yeah i think that's fair i'm gonna give him a one as well because i mean i gotta give him something for that expression but that's all he's getting it for So that gives him a 0.5. So now, you know, he's the first one that there's actually a reliquary for. So we're going to look at that too. But first, here's another one of those default pictures of the popes that we've been using. And the expression, again, is just... What's he doing here? He looks like he's going to take a nap. He looks like he just woke up from a nap. Someone was touching his chalice, and he had to come and deal with it. I don't know. This one doesn't do a whole lot for me, but just the expression looks like really, like, again, irritated dads. Yeah. I'm not sure what his hair is doing. Well, it's the bunny poof. It's the bunny poof, and then, like, little wings, but not, like, side of the head bald hair, but, like, they stretch it up too far on his forehead. I like the other one a lot better. Yes. 
But I figured I would share this one with you because, again, we don't have much about Sixtus except this reliquary. Check it out. This is from 1596. Oh. So that's a thing. That's interesting. They did a very good job trying to make his painting look like a statue. Mm-hmm. Describe it for us. He's got more hair, thank goodness. His eyes are very sunken in. Mm-hmm. His chin is definitely jutting out. It's just, it's a very good, like, they took the painting and they ran with it. It's impressive. It's a good gold sculpture. And then that dinner plate on top of his head, because he's holy. It's a it's a good dinner plate halo. There's a lot of radiance kind of coming out from the point in his, fo- in his the back of his head. That's something. Someone spent a lot of time on this. Yeah, for a pope that we know very little about. Tempus Pontificus. Okay, in this category, uh, we have a little bit to talk about because he has confusing dates. His papacy is generally accepted as being from 115 to 124. The Annuario Pontifico says 117 to 119 or 126, so it's all over the place. The Liberian Catalogue of Popes says he served the church during the reign of Hadrian from the Consulate of Niger and Apronanius to that of Varus III and Ambibulus. So that is 117 to 126. Eusebius then says 114 to 124. And uh, we're going to do a humble jumble of those because... We cited Alexander's death as being 115, mm-hmm. so we're going to go for 115 to 124, which is nine years for a score of 2.25. This might be where he's getting all of his points. Every point comes from here. All right, everybody, it's the canon bonus round! Do, 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 do. Yes, he is a saint. Oh, shocker. He has a feast day that is celebrated on April 6th. Woohoo! He's a saint. But he is not the patron saint of anything. So, again, we get to decide for him. What do you think he should be the patron saint of? Because we can go in any direction here, really. There is not a whole lot that we have said so far about this man. Let's make him interesting. So his face kind of reminds me of like a tiny terrier or a shih tzu. So let let us make him the patron saint of small lap dogs. Small lap dogs. Okay. Should we should we add a story to this and add it as his official canon? What kind of lap dog he enjoyed? I don't know. What kind of lap dogs were in Rome? Vogue in Rome at the time. Oh dear, I there's probably not a lot of species that were doing that. He's probably like, you know, the maybe he befriended a stray, mm-hmm. a stray alley dog from the Aventine or something like that. And it was a little lap dog. Let's go with that. He is now the patron saint of little lap dogs because once he made a friend. That's more than we knew about him before we started this episode, so That brings us to give him his total score, which is, let's see, oh dear, okay, his, (laughs) his total score is oh dear. Yep, I think that's a fair assessment because his final score, 
He did not break the double-digit club. He is a 7.75 for total score. Well, we'll see if, if he is the bottom when we rank all the rest of them. Well, he is currently very much at the bottom. The next person above him is almost a full 10 points above him. Oh my goodness. He's never going to catch them. No, he's not. But that does not mean we know the answer to our final question, which is, does he have that star personality? Is he full of popey pizzazz? Does he leave a legacy? Does he make any impact whatsoever to give him a papal bull? I'm going to say he's not allowed to touch it. <laughs> I agree. I like that answer. That is perfect. I don't think he should be allowed anywhere near the papal bull. I'm sorry, Sixtus. You are going straight to purgatory. I'm, I'm a little bit sad about it. I wanted him to pull through with some interesting facts. But yeah, we got nothing, alas. So, that brings us to the end of this episode. It was a short episode of shortness. What can we say? We promised we would give every Pope their own episode. And trust me, I think there are some that will be shorter than this. I'm very sorry if it doesn't fill up your whole commute time. Ah, uh, yeah. But, you know, blame Sixtus for that. Don't blame us. We tried. We stretched it out and did everything we could, so we have some thank yous. We would like to thank Rex Factor and Totalis Rankium, as always. A huge, huge thanks to Sam over at the History of Witchcraft podcast for uh, inviting us to do a promo in front of his latest episode. Episode 32, Never a Cross Left. So if you want to hear us talk about one of the most important papal debates on witchcraft check it out because we talk about what is clearly the most significant one yes harry potter is very important very significant it's it's very important that we have this discussion so check that out so big thanks to him and thanks to the age of victoria podcast who has also invited us to do a promo super awesome thank you chris we've just recorded that for you and it should be coming soon we also need to thank our listeners because, man, okay, we just, last week we said we broke a thousand listeners of, yeah, the last episode we released, we announced that we had broken a thousand listeners, and now we are up to 2,500. Well, it's closer to like 27 by now. Yeah, but that is awesome. It just keeps growing at a rate we were not expecting. And we've also gotten some pretty awesome reviews on iTunes, which is super, super cool. Like, we have reviews in four countries. You guys are freaking awesome. There might even be more out there that we can't even see yet. But thank you, guys. That helps so much. It gets us on people's radar. It helps us end up in new and noteworthy and recommended and... That is really cool. So if you left us a review, thank you so much. You've really helped get this podcast off the ground. If you like the show and you haven't left a review, maybe consider doing it. That would be sweet too. So yeah. You can find us on all your favorite podcatching platforms. We are also on Twitter and Facebook at Pontifax Pod. And if you want to send us a more long form email, complaints, Strongly worded letter, anything, 
at this point. We'll take any feedback we can get. You can email us at pontifaxpod at gmail.com. So that just leaves thank you and goodbye. Yep, bye. Yeah.